an evening wind blows. You should be cold. Everything gone. Everything taken from you. How did it once feel holding them? Your children. Their scent on your skin. The sound of their laughter. Ringing in your heart. Each memory fades into some hollow part of you. The joy you once felt is bitter on your tongue. You are nothing more than a vine-withered heart. In the soft twilight, the river runs at your feet. You look across its waters. The surface is smooth, but you know how swift and cruel it is beneath, how it snatches, how it steals. You remember it all, even if you don't remember how long it's been. Hours? Days? Years? It doesn't matter. Your children are all gone, and all that is left of them is the sight of their faces, panicked, screaming, then silent. As the river swallowed them, you are, were, their mother. You were supposed to protect them, and yet it was your hands which led them to the water. You didn't remember, in your desperate sadness, that they didn't know how to swim. You had never taught them. The river is too dangerous, you used to say. You promised you'd watch them, promised you'd keep them safe, promised. A noise snaps you out of your thoughts, and your heart leaps through your throat. Laughter. So familiar, so bright. The laughter of your children. You scramble out of the river and to the shore, trailing wet footsteps in the mud. You part the reeds around the curve of the bank and see two figures perfectly silhouetted against the setting sun. They are splashing at the water's edge, as happy as you remember them being. Yes, you remember. You can feel the hollow begin to fill with memories. Then they turn to face you. And they are not your children. The joy in your heart turns to ash. You feel it all again, all at once. They are gone. The faces of the two children, curious at first, turn to fear as you feel your own twist in a grief that unearths from the depths of our soul. A cry comes up from your throat, hoarse as if you'd been screaming for years. The screams of the children are lost in your inhuman wailing. You reach for them desperately, snatching at them in desperate loneliness as they run away from the river and up the nearby road, away from you. Your knees hit the wet riverbed, alone as night falls, you cry.
story written by Maria Gavia and read by Brenda Salguero. This is Monstras. Brenda Salguero and Orquídea Morales and this is Monsas, a podcast about horror, folklore, popular culture in Latin America and Latino communities in the U.S. because we can't forget them. Welcome to our first episode of Monsas. Um, I wanted to actually start off by talking about like why we actually started a podcast about weird, crazy monsters in Latin America and the reason why is because I felt like there were so many creepy stories that other podcasts were missing. And, you know, as a Latina, I just wanted to know more about my own culture, what I came from, like what my parents came from. And I only got a taste of those crazy ass stories that my parents told me. And I really wanted to do a deeper dive. And there was just no podcast out there that gave me a deeper dive into specifically Latin America or Latin American horror. So that's kind of like my aim. What about you, Orquidea? Yeah, so for me, I grew up hearing a lot of scary stories. I grew up watching horror movies. I was one of those weird kids and am still one of those (laughs) weird adults, I guess now. (laughs) Uh, So just the opportunity to talk monsters with somebody is a lot of fun and to see the community out there that's, how we all um, like connect through monsters, I think is going to be great. Um, Like um, how Latino and Latin American communities connect through monsters. Yeah. Cause we, we definitely love the crap out of our monsters. I know some monsters are scarier than others. Um, Trump, but (laughs) (laughs) I know. Right. So, but some are actually fun. So I think we're going to be talking about some of the fun ones too. Hopefully yes. not the really scary, disturbing ones. <laughs> <laughs> Although we could touch on those a little bit. Yeah. So uh, today's episode is actually going to concentrate on a very popular monster or monstra. Um, and it's going to be about La Llorona, which is Spanish for the Wailing Woman. So there are so many variations, of, like so many variations of this legend. I've heard so many different ones. Um, I personally didn't grow up with too many versions of La Llorona like my family is actually from El Salvador I don't actually know exactly what their version of La Llorona is I know there's a couple of monsters that are similar but they're not quite the same yeah I mean we grew up listening to La Llorona and listening for La Llorona like it was constantly like did you hear La Llorona and (laughs) <laughs> the hope was that you would, even as terrifying as that was. So for <laughs> so for us, uh, I'm from South Texas. I was born in Reynosa, which is northern Mexico, and I grew up in South mm-hmm. Texas. So I've always lived um, by the river in one way or another. Oh. So yeah, so that was the way they kept you in line, right? Like telling you <laughs> La Llorona is going to come and get you if you don't, you know, behave. Or if you keep playing rough, she's going to come and take you. Um <laughs> So I always pictured her like staring at in our window, just waiting for us to misbehave to take us away. 
<laughs> That's terrifying. My parents mostly threatened me with like sending me back to El Salvador. And that was enough of a threat. <laughs> threat yeah yeah i was like nope 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 see that didn't work for us because we were already in mexico so. Oh, so there you go so it's like you're already there yeah so. now we're just gonna send you to hell with la llorona <laughs> that was the next step with that let's get into the background of who la llorona is so there are two types of narratives that describe her story either an encounter with her or the biographical story of her misfortunes when she was alive. So she is definitely a malevolent uh, or evil spirit and the cause of a lot of misfortune. So sometimes she's like a dangerous siren who lures men by disguising herself as a beautiful woman or with her voice. More typically though, she's roaming around and is heard weeping and crying into the night. So meeting her is very dangerous. These legends of the weeping or wailing woman have been a part of the Mexican and Mexican-American culture since before the Spanish conquest. The story typically starts with Había una vez una mujer, La Llorona, a young woman whose name we never know, has two children with a man of a higher socioeconomic status. Even though they are not married, they live together. But one day, all of that comes crashing down when he announces he is leaving her to be with a woman of his social standing. Out of anger, revenge, sorrow, or despair, La Llorona drags her two children to the river and drowns them. It is said that she now haunts that body of water crying, Ay, mis hijos, looking for her lost babies. Children are often warned they shouldn't go out at night by themselves because La Llorona might see them and then confuse them for her own children, kidnapping them and dragging them right back into the water with her. It's the same thing with men again. Men should pay attention, and if they hear the siren cry of La Llorona, they might be seduced and killed. The second more common variation of the legend is similar, similar, but with notable differences being that La Llorona does not drown her children, but they actually drown accidentally. Feeling guilty, La Llorona kills herself. In both, however, La Llorona is being punished for being a bad mother and having children out of wedlock. So that's essentially the story of La Llorona in a nutshell. And what kind of analysis can you think of, uh, Orquidea, that, you know, goes into the story as to, like, why? I mean, there's so much there, you know? Yeah. And I think that's why one of the reasons La Llorona is one of my favorite monsters in that there's so many ways you can read her and so many ways you can relate to her, which is hard to say because she does in some of the forums kill her children yeah. but uh she does i totally relate to that yeah totally <laughs> she, we should say ne- neither of us have children <laughs> yeah i know don't call don't call cps on us <laughs> i know i have no children please it was a joke <laughs> um, but but that's that's what's really interesting about her like she has this ability to 
push back against the status quo, um, right? Like women, especially Latin American, or in my case, Mexican, Mexican American women, they're supposed to be the housewives. You get married, you have kids, you stay at home. And this is something we see in the legend, right? That's all she was supposed to do. And when that doesn't work out, then what? what is she? Who is she? Um, and a form, exactly. a, a way to push back against the patriarchy is not having children. Like what happens when you don't have children and you're just a woman? Um, so yeah. So the, you're just a the barren thing. woman. Exactly. And that's such a sad <laughs> existence, really. Yeah. Who wants to be that? <laughs> um, Seriously. Yeah. So I think that's why she's really like, there's, that's one way to read her. And another way is just to really think about the way women are blamed for what happens in, um, the community, like in the communal upbringing of children, if something goes wrong, it's not like, well, what did the dad do? It was like, well, what did the mom do wrong? <laughs> so all the blame falls on her, which is really unfortunate because, I mean, there's multiple people involved in raising a child. Yeah, exactly. I mean, a lot of it falls on the woman to, I see it in my own family too. You know, you, I see it in my mom who's still like, I'll go home and and she'll still fold every single individual piece of underwear that I own, even though I told her not to, please don't do it again. Cause she mixes my underwear with my sister's underwear and it's just a nightmare. <laughs> and so I don't know whose underwear is who, but essentially, yeah, I've seen that so many times with, um, and we see a lot of stories and we see a lot of true crime also, cause I love true crime as well. So I see a lot of true crime where the ultimate betrayal is a woman betraying her children right. or her woman, a woman, you know, drowning her children, which we've seen in actual true crime stories. There are true crime stories of women drowning their children. Yeah. And what's so sad about them, too, is I'm thinking like Andrea Yates and some of those. Is yes. that Most of the time, these women have postpartum depression. Right. Like they don't they don't do it for fun. They have a serious mental illness that needs to be taken care of but because it seems natural that women should know how to care for children it's just like you know we tell them get your shit together go take care of the children it's not that easy right like there's it's a not. lot of biological things that go on when you have a baby um you just pushed out like a 10 pound you know like my friend pushed out a freaking nine pound child you know and she's not that big like this child <laughs> Looks like the Michelin man's child. Like, he is just this little chubby, like, oh, my God. And so, you know, I can only imagine what your kind of trauma your body goes through after childbirth. Yeah. And that's something we never address. And I think La Llorona is an interesting way to think about that, too, because it is that trauma of childbirth that we just take for granted. Right. It's just what women do. But but it's not. It's not. (laughs) Especially now that you have such high rates of, like uh women dying in childbirth now in the US even though it should be something that women shouldn't be doing because of modern medicine and all this stuff but it's because a lot of women's pain is ignored or they're just they're just ignored in, in general so i know you also talk about this other her connection and possible connect- connections to other deities or aztec deities right so i can't so I know I pronounced this correctly earlier. <laughs> you did. <laughs> so let's see if I can do it again. Right. So Siwa Siwa Cuatl. Mm-hmm. Siwa Cuatl. 
Yay! Yeah. <laughs> so who is she? He? So she uh, was a deity in Aztec culture, and she was in charge of, like, agricultural labor and things like that. So one of the offshoots, or one of her names or personalities, was Siwapiyi, who was a patroness of uh, childbirth. So um, the the legend is that women that died during childbirth were given the same um, sort of traditional um, respect that men that died um, in war were given in Aztec culture. So it's this idea that both of these are rites of passages, but both of these are also very hard. Um, yeah, that makes, that's so cool though. Yeah. Uh, so they go to the same, same place and it's not heaven, but same afterlife, mm-hmm. um, the warriors and the women that die in childbirth. Um, then Siwakwatl is, um, also said to be a beautiful or a, has a beautiful figure that she uses to seduce men, which is what we see too in Legends of La Llorona. Yeah. Um, and this one's my favorite. And this is one version that a lot of, especially a lot of Chicanas and Mexican-American writers bring up about La Llorona. Mm-hmm. So um, there's this connection between La Llorona and one of the omens that the Aztecs saw before the conquest uh, and one of them, the sixth omen, was a woman walking the streets of Tenochtitlan, or, or Mexico City now, crying and shouting for her children. So the Aztecs thought that this was a sign of the end of the world. And in a lot of ways it was, right? It was a, a premonition um, that their life, um, their way of life was going to change completely with the conquest. Um, yeah. So for me, that's, that's a really cool one because the way Chicanas use it in a lot of ways is to say La Llorona is a form of protest. La Llorona is warning us about um, losing our culture, about losing our background, losing our heritage. And we need to listen to her cries. Wow. Yeah. It's like, it's really similar also. <laughs> this is such a bad comparison because one is like a beautiful woman in like white you know, crying and there's so much symbolism. In. And then you have like, what I was going to compare it to is like the Mothman. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> with glowing red eyes and giant moth wings and all this crap. Um, but essentially the Mothman was also kind of like a harbinger. He, it was more of a, um, I think this is more of, well, it was also a harbinger or a warning of some impending doom. So that's the only reason I compare. The, any other comparison is not really there. <laughs> I mean, we we really don't know what La Llorona looks like. So she could have giant red eyes. Oh, that's true. And that's true. Hopefully, really sharp claws. That's that's the way I picture her. That's the way I want her to be. <laughs> but I mean, yeah. I mean, that's how she does seduces men, right? Yeah. Men love claws, right? Yeah. That's what I was told. Is men love claws. I and think that's so. what they're into. Uh, that is awesome. Uh, so, uh, oh, what were you going to say? I was just going to say that's one of the cool things about um, monsters and talking about them <laughs> is that we are like, it's a way to think about how culture has changed, but also how we're connected to our culture, especially like Latinos living in the U.S., Mm-hmm. Like you miss out on a, a lot of things and, and histories are different here. Um, you definitely don't learn this in school. <laughs> yeah, you don't. Yeah. No. And I, I know I've, I've met a lot of people and 
it's a lot of white people, but a lot of people who don't know who La Llorona is. Yeah. And I'm always, I don't know, I'm always surprised. Like, how do you not know who she is? You know, we grew up with her. Like, I may not have had personal, like, stories in my family about her, but I had, I knew Mexicans at school, you know? <laughs> Like, they would tell me all this crazy stuff. It was La Migra and La Llorona. Like, yeah. those are the two. <laughs> someone was going to take you away. Yeah. yeah, someone was. And it was either going to be Ice or it was going to be <laughs> La Llorona. I don't even know which one I prefer at this point. I, I, I would rather go with La Llorona. Yeah, honestly, I would too. You don't know where you end up with her. And I kind of like the mystery with Ice and Border Patrol. You know where you end up. And it is not good. <laughs> it so. is not fun. <laughs> So then, what's this other connection you were talking about? Um, so I think you should talk about this one, the one with La Malinche and La Llorona, because I know you're a fan of La Malinche. I do love La Malinche, and we should do an episode just on her because she's fascinating. But essentially, La Malinche is the... So it's a nickname, actually, in Mexico that they give to a lot of... Uh, they'll give to, I guess, traitors, right? Or people who betray some some something. Yeah. Uh, it could be culture. It could be, I don't know, uh, traitors, like, <laughs> sure. um, but anyways, so La Malinche was actually a woman who was given to a Nahua woman who was given to as a slave to Hernan Cortez around 1519. And so she became a translator for him and spoke Mayan and Nahua. And then she learned Spanish, actually. So the legend connects her with La Llorona, or at least one of the variations, right? Um, where La Malinche had a son with Hernán Cortés. And when Cortés wanted to leave her and take the kid to Spain, she, just, she decided to kill him rather than seeing him go to the Spaniards or the colonizers. Which is really interesting because in one hand, she betrayed her culture or supposedly betrayed her culture, right? Uh, which is what she's always been known for. But on the other hand, she also would rather kill her son, then let him go to these colonizers. That's really interesting to me. Yeah. And I think, I think you're right. We definitely have to do something on La Malinche um, because there's so much there. And I all, I feel bad calling her La Malinche too, because it does yeah. have that connotation. It has this connotation that she, she betrayed Mexico. She betrayed the indigenous communities of what is now Mexico. Because she helped, yeah, because she helped Hernan Cortez, essentially, yeah. who destroyed, basically brought upon what La Llorona initially was the harbinger, like she she warned against. Right. And, and you know, the history is very much more complex than that. Um, Obviously. Yeah. yeah. Like she, like you said, she was a slave. Um there weren't a lot of options. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She was really young too. She, she was, was like, she was like what, twelve, thirteen? I think so. I'm not sure of her age, but she was definitely really young. And they didn't see the Spaniards as someone that was going to destroy the culture completely. They just saw this is a possible ally or a possible enemy, right, against other tribes. Yes. So she was like, if I work with them then maybe we can be allies against another tribe. They didn't realize what was going to happen. Like, I, don't, I can't imagine anybody goes, oh, this might be the end. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, depends on who you are. You're right. Gonna, they'll see like a penny on the sidewalk. It's like, oh my God, it's a harbinger of the, yeah. of the end of the apocalypse. 
um, just like 2000 and, and H, um, what was that? Y2K. Yeah. Oh, that oh, was, that was fun. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. I was like, please. And now I'm like, please let a meteor just kill us all at this point. Just like, just end it. At least it would be quick. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Instead of this low, slow death crap, right? No. <laughs> oh my gosh. We're so optimistic. I was We're about so to optimistic. say. <laughs> Listen, we like monsters. There's no optimism. There's no room for optimism in this. Um. Anyway, so, oh, so what does, she, so you were saying, what does she look like? Oh, uh, okay. So there's different variations. Uh, my favorite, like I said, is the more monstrous Yorona. So Ooh. she does have like the sharp teeth, the claws, all that sort of stuff. Like that would be my ideal. Most of the time she's described as a woman with long, dark hair and a white flowy dress. Um, and of course, beautiful, right? Because that's how she yeah. seduces men. What beautiful means, I imagine, changes over time. Um, and depending on where you hear the legend, um, but yeah, so that's, that's kind of what she looks like according to legend. I've never seen her, uh, personally. Yeah. I've never <laughs> seen her personally. I always thought she looked very similar to, um, oh my gosh, what's that girl from the well? The, <laughs> from the, what is it? from the ring? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> the girl that crawls out of the well. <laughs> So her, so her, that's, that's who I always imagined her as with that long black hair that you can't really see too much of, uh, white dress, that kind of stuff. Like it's, it's a very common ghost story to the woman in white. Yeah. Literally every haunted place in America, I think has a woman in white. Yeah. And I think, I mean, that's just, again, why I love La Llorona. Like it's just so reflective of how so many cultures fear women period yeah like it's straight up we're afraid of women they're all like whatever happens to them i don't care they look like women i'm terrified of them <laughs> <laughs> you know i'll give you on a hug next time i see her yeah thank i'm just you. gonna give her a hug <laughs> to be like listen i don't hate you man like this is just and then as she drowns me i'm like <laughs> i'm still hugging her <laughs> Both of you can go at the same time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so then um, you were saying also that there's a lot of variations both in Mexico and the U.S. Um, about La Llorona, right? And La Llorona stories? Yeah. So I think in Mexico, especially like central Mexico, the connection is mostly with La Malinche. Um, mm. There's this awesome movie called Kilometro 31. Uh, which Kilom- is kilometer 31. 31. Yeah. Sorry. My brain was just like, you need to translate that. <laughs> but I don't know how. <laughs> uh, and it's said like modern day, um, but it is about how um, Mexico City was paved over these waterways um, and the history of Mexico City and the conquest and things like that through through La Llorona or through a uh, rethinking of a modern Llorona. Um, so I, I highly recommend that to kind of think about what she looks like in Mexico and central Mexico. And I think in the border region, she is very much tied to the the Rio Grande, right? Um, and, and that geography. And some of the narratives are very much about like immigrant women crossing the border. Um, and that's one of the the connections that I had added um, to, to our talking list too was, um, so 
I imagine everyone that is listening has seen all the articles about um, the the the. I don't even know how to describe it. Which one? The children in in yeah being so, captured. The families in the borders. Yeah, being captured? yeah. So all the children being kidnapped by the U.S. Yeah, taken exactly. Over. Yeah, yeah. That. <laughs> <laughs> whatever and held for ransom basically right um so all these stories about like immigration that we've seen recently i kept thinking about la llorona especially there's like a few clips or a few images of women crying when they lose their children and then when they're reunited with their children and i i really think this is an opportunity to think about again like emotions uh as as protest right like a lot of these women um might speak Spanish or might eat, speak a, a native indigenous language of Central or South America um, and not be able to communicate in English, right? Uh, so they need translators and things like that. But we all understand the pain. We all understand the tears. So regardless... Think, oh, go, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I think that's why people connected and were so outraged about it. Because again, it's that connection. It's actually using that I feel like a lot of the times it was it was using these images to garner sympathy from the public, which was a tool for for it was a positive tool, but it was using the stereotype that women, you know, and their children. Yeah. Or but I mean, a lot of the images weren't also just women, though. It w- There were a lot of men also who were separated from their children and they were crying. So just this idea then. Let me rephrase it then of parents losing their kids. And that's what La Llorona's story is about, is like this woman who, even though through her own maybe machinations or maybe through other machinations, she loses, either way, she loses her children. Yeah. And I think what's interesting too is like, a lot of people are like, well, why would these parents, why would these family members subject their children to that? And it's just, the, the response is, there are very few options. Yes. So when they wouldn't do that for the fun of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let me just give my children up for just, you know, funsies. Right. So and that's something we have to consider, like, did La Llorona, and I think the, the Malinche version of it is is a way to think about it, that she give up her child as a way to save them. And this way, are they crossing the border as a way to save their children? And and what are what is the U.S. doing? Right. Like to push, yes. to punish them for saving their children. Yep. And that's what it is. It it comes down to punishing women for trying to actually do something about the situation and trying to escape. Because it is it is worse down in in Latin America for a lot of people. Like it's really bad. Yeah. And I mean, I've I've lost family in in, in El Salvador. Yeah. Because how bad it is, you know? Which I'll talk about in another podcast. Yeah. And we can definitely <laughs> we can definitely talk about how the US involvement in Central and South America and in Mexico have made um these situ- situations happen. So it's not yeah. it's not that you know Latin America is fucked up, it's that the US has done some fucked up shit. <laughs> yeah, they do- they have. They really screwed everything up in Latin America. They really did. And I mean, I'm a product of that being in the US. Yeah. You know? Uh, because my family were refugees. So they left, they fled El Salvador specifically during the 80s, during the Civil War, which was funded in part by the U.S. Thank you so much, U.S. <laughs> I know, thanks. Everybody's going to hate us. 
that's fine. Whatever. They're going to be la like, Llorona, I'll stick the La Llorona at, uh, <laughs> at him. These crazy yeah. women want to kill children and hate the U.S. They hate the U.S. <laughs> My God. Jeez. So then what is the other thing that you were saying about um, Perez? Oh, oh, so uh, Rene Domino Perez has this awesome book. Uh, oh, no, I misspoke. It's Domino Rene Perez. Uh, she's at UT Austin. Uh, she has a great book called There Was a Woman, La Llorona, From Folklore to Popular Culture. And it is encyclopedic information on where La Llorona started and all these places where she's been. Um, so it's really cool to think, like, to, if you read it, you see how, like, how La Llorona grew in, in Mexico and then how she migrated to the U.S. in popular culture um, and folklore. Uh, so she really talks about um, how La Llorona could take so many different forms. Um, and let me quote her because this is really good. So she says, yeah. quote, known for her muta mutable manifestations, which range from ghostly hag to beautiful seductress, a number of cultural productions emphasize the latter, thus reinforcing her possession as a sexual object and a particular threat to men, end quote. So I like that one because it mentions the two variations of La Llorona, my favorite, the ghostly hag, and also the most popular beautiful seductress, which is the one you see in cultural productions um, the yes. most. So um, cultural productions like, there's a, a movie, direct-to-video movie called The Whaler, Ooh, sounds like an ambulance, an ambulance that's going to go out and take you out. You yeah. Know? I mean, I would watch that. Now I'm like, oh, <laughs> killer ambulance. <laughs> killer ambulance. Kind of like Stephen King. A lot of Stephen King. I yes. think that, that was probably in a Stephen King no novel at some point. Probably. Or in his Let's brain, get, at least. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's get drunk and write it. Yeah. <laughs> Use the Stephen King method. <laughs> uh, but in that one like she's a beautiful woman in mexico and then like some spring breakers from the u.s go to mexico to party and have sex of and course. then yeah and then they get killed by her uh, but she's like beautiful latina and then she turns monstrous so first she seduces you with her beauty and then she kills you that's and that's so common in so many like folklore too the sirens alone yeah. like that's what you know comes up in my brain is like the sirens where they sing to you and then they and then that makes you crash into the rocky shore and die as a man you know yeah is the banshee like that i don't know the banshee very well i just know her as like loud <laughs> i just know him as the superhero banshee from the x-men uh, <laughs> the only thing i know okay scratch that then <laughs> That's all I know is that he uses his voice, his very loud voice to fly somehow. I don't know. I, thought I don't it, know how that works. I thought the Banshee was a woman. You know, I think it is. But for some reason in X-Men, it is a man. Okay. I mean, that's cool. I was Yeah, just, that's cool. Yeah. But it's, 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 I don't know what the Banshee does. I, I know she's loud. That's basically all I know. Is yeah. Like, because it's an insult to women too. When... You're like, you're being a, like a banshee or whatever. Yeah. You're screaming, you know? So <laughs> Look at you having an opinion and a voice. So I know. annoying. It's so <laughs> annoying. Can you please shut up? Yeah. Please stop. Just fly away with your voice. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so then what is this uh, whole thing about like the reappropriation of La Llorona? And we already kind of talked about it a little bit, but as, as a feminist icon, 
Yeah. So I think, um, especially like Chicana. So Chicanas are, um, mostly Mexican American. Uh, and it's this idea of like, um, affirming and maintaining your culture, your culture, uh, but also like you're a feminist. Um, yes. And I know I can define that a lot better, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all get this it. This isn't completely fact-based, but yeah, it is. It, it is. I mean, yes. Yeah. <laughs> read a book. It's just, yeah, read a book. <laughs> if you want to know more details, go read a book. We're not Google. <laughs> but and so, so Chicana artists and writers have um, used La Llorona to kind of deal with their own positionality within the Chicano movement. So the Chicano movement uh, in the 60s and 70s uh, was very much about uh, rights for Mexican, Mexican-Americans. Uh, and that's like everything from voting rights to like education, uh, equal education, housing, all that sort of fun stuff that we still have not the best access to. But exactly. <laughs> in a lot of ways, women uh, were excluded from this move from these movements. Uh, they were seen as, you know, you are the the caretakers. So they would be secretaries or they will make the food or, you know, they were like, you're obviously the future of the Chicano movement in that you will bear future Chicanos. Um, and this wasn't so dumb. I know. And this wasn't <laughs> the, always the case. This was just like the general uh, nationalist thinking. Um, so would um chicanas did was they used la llorona to say uh no <laughs> we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna cry back we're gonna push back against this idea um and we're we're mourning the loss of the culture right we don't want that to be lost but we also will not play we're not gonna be virgin mary right we're not gonna be pure virginous yes. um exactly what you think women should be we're gonna be a little monstrous and that's cool yeah i wonder if like if if um the Virgin Mary might be a good monster also to cover. BT dubs. Yes. Yes. I don't know if <laughs> we're totally going to hell, but I am so excited. It's gonna be a great ride to hell. Yeah. We're just gonna have a fantastic ride to hell. You know, that's usually what I say when I eat a donut. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna die of probably heart attack, but I'm gonna die happy. Yeah. So screw all y'all. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that is hilarious. So what is so you were saying also one example of La Llorona as protest uh is thinking is like a crying as a way to protest when not allowed to speak or can't speak. Like what was that? What what are you meaning? Yeah, well that's what I was talking about, like with uh migrant immigrant families. Um, and so I'm also thinking about the way like women are generally portrayed as hysterical, right? Oh, when you disagree with something or when you're protesting or when you, when you try to voice anything, you're hysterical, let's control you, let's keep you right. And this goes back. It's not just yeah. let, let the Latino or Latin American culture. This is, you know, Gothic English culture and things like that. Right. And, and, uh, really good old gothic novels uh, it is this idea that women need to be locked away and protected from themselves uh, because they're too hysterical they can't control their emotions yeah and for me la llorona is this idea that so what <laughs> <laughs> so so what if we have emotions and so what if we want to express them and i'm not the most emotional person like i 
I don't cry a lot. Uh, but it is this idea of like, I can be angry, right? Like I can be outraged. I can show these characteristics of myself and not be judged by it. Anyways, I want to kind of wrap up here um, and really start talking about my favorite section. So I think at the end of every episode, I'm going to try to really talk about sightings, sightings of these monsters, like where have have they been spotted? Where have they been seen? So one of them, uh, I was looking on the internet, you know, Googling stuff like I usually do uh, to see where these sightings might have taken place. So one of them happened right here in California in Temecula. God only knows where that is. Um, I live in California and I still don't know where that is uh, in Temecula. Uh, California, you know, at the intersection of Rancho California and Inez, apparently. All right. There was someone spotted in this intersection. Uh, and I've and there's a picture of it. There is a picture online of it. You have to see. I'm going to I'm going to post it wherever we post this damn freaking podcast i will <laughs> i will post it along okay with you because it is very good it is a great picture i'm excited about this it's pretty great um so apparently it was a cctv camera that captured like this oh wait no this was wrong this is the different this is a different one this is a different one. There's so many Yoronas. It's hard to keep them straight. It's There's a lot of Yoronas, but there was one that the Temecula one specifically is, you know, a picture of this person just like hunched over dark black hair in white, you know, in the middle of traffic, which, excuse me, why in the, in the hell is this bitch in the middle of traffic? Right. Why is La Yorona? This why this is why I had so I had a lot of doubts that this was a true sighting. <laughs> because first of all, why is she standing in the middle of traffic? Second of all, there's no body of water nearby. Like there's no, like she's supposed to be by. Not even a water fountain, nothing. No, not a what, nothing. Not a puddle, you know what I mean? Like nothing. And I'm just like, what is happening? And so I read the rest of the article, right? And it says, it turns out it was a guy in a robe. It was just some guy. <laughs> It was just some crazy guy <laughs> who had, I don't know, escaped some sort of mental facility. I don't know what happened. But essentially, he was in a robe and just walking through traffic. And people were like, oh, my God, it's La Llorona. <laughs> I was like, what? No. So, Hold up. Go ahead. The only thing I want. Okay, two things. One, I'm picturing Mike Myers as La Llorona now. Because <laughs> when he escapes from like an insane asylum and stuff like that. <laughs> Two, I want to hear those 911 calls. Um, hi, I think La Llorona's in the middle of the road. <laughs> like, oh. Oh, my God. That would be insane. That it would be amazing. I want to look that up. Yeah. I want to see who called and was like, there is a crying, wailing woman in the middle of traffic. I swear to God. <laughs> we, I can't cross the street. I can't drive my car. She's in the middle. She's blocking the road. We got to do something about this. (laughs) So she's escaped. I love Um, it. It's so terrible. And then there's another one. uh, And it was by the the Huffington Post. It's a Huffington Post article. And it's a CCTV camera of a ghostly figure 
standing in the middle. Okay, so this is closer. This is in Mexico City. Still in the middle of the road. I don't understand why she's in the middle of a road still. Uh, maybe she's trying to get somewhere. Or maybe she she's confused. If it's like an older Yorona, maybe she thinks that is a body of water and she's confused as to why it's so dry all of a sudden. Oh, maybe there's a drought going on. Oh, that's a good I that's a good reason. <laughs> so this one was taken in September 18, 2016. And it's on YouTube if people want to see it. But essentially, it appears to show like an apparition in the middle of the street at like 2.20 a.m. And you can kind of see it. Like you have to really zoom in to see like this little, It lo- she looks very diminutive. And you can kind of clearly see a white, her in white, and then the long black hair. You can kind of clearly see that, but it could also be just a woman. (laughs) It could just be a random woman just happens to be crossing the street and she has long black hair and a slightly white dress. But the other thing too, is if you look at the video, there's a video. If you look at the video, traffic actually goes through her. Like a car goes through her. So I don't know. I don't know how fake or how real this dumb sighting is. But again, it's something that you can look up online for sure. Can I just say, so at the opening when we were talking about, you know, why we're interested in this, I really wish someday I will see a ghost. Like that is actually... (laughs) One of my dreams and in my bucket list, it's to see something supernatural, but I do think, so I believe in it and I want to believe in it, you know, like I believe I can fly, but. (laughs) (laughs) Don't you go quoting R. Kelly. (laughs) I was thinking Peter Pan. Oh, okay. Come on now. (laughs) Come on. Don't insult me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But, uh. If I ever saw something like this, I think I would pass out. Really? I I would love, like, I am dying to see it. Like, I want to see an apparition. I want to see something creepy and crawly and awesome. But I will pass out as soon as I see it. Oh, my God. See, I don't believe, I'm the opposite. I don't believe in ghosts. What? I don't believe in any of it. I believe more in aliens, definitely. But did aliens visit us? I doubt it. I just think that there's some sort of alien light form out there that might be like maybe gaseous or maybe, you know, it's a little bug. I don't know. But that's that's an alien. A bug is an alien. And so I don't actually believe in ghosts. I just love this shit either way. I don't think we can continue working together. <laughs> this might be the first and last podcast. <laughs> I just don't think ghosts are real. And that's it. Please tune in next time for our next episode on brains. Please leave us a review, good or bad, or email us at monstraspodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at monstrapodcast. And the story you heard at the beginning was written by Maria Gabia and read by me, Brenda Salguero. Thanks. Until next time. Bye. Bye.